How you doing, everybody? The Jet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Cars, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. All right, how you doing, everybody? Sports Court time once again. Chet Kovic joined by uh, ESPN legal analyst, simply the best in the business, Lester Munson, as we break down what's going on in the Smokefield rooms. Brought to you, of course, by our great friends at uh, American Taxi, Chicago's premier suburban taxi service. Remember, uh, whether it's O'Hare Field, whether it's uh, Midway Airport, whatever the case may be, for you suburban uh, passengers, there's only one way to go for top-of-the-line quality, and that is with American Taxi. Lester, uh, uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, uh, siding with the owners, but with all due respect to uh, the players and the uh, uh, the labor uh, ongoings that uh, continue between the rival sides, apparently going nowhere at a very, very rapid pace. At what point do the players wake up and say, uh, son of a gun, Bob Kraft at New England and uh, the McCaskey family in Chicago get paid all, all of their television revenues, whether we play football in 2011 or not. So thus, the fact of the matter is, we have no leg to stand on. The leadership of the players' union is aware of that. Each team has a representative. They get together. They understand that. Those guys have to try to explain that to the rest of the roster. That's where things occasionally break down. (laughs) If some kid comes in, he's a rookie, he's 22 years old, he makes the team, all he wants to do is get out there on the field and hit somebody. Mm -hmm. That's what he's thinking about. So he's not getting into television contracts and so on. But you're exactly right. Right now, the way it stands, the National Football League will be paid a year from now for putting no games on television. NBC, ESPN, everybody is under an obligation to pay for games they will not play because of a lockup. So the current labor agreement expires on March 31. If there is uh, no agreement in place, and obviously there will not be uh, an agreement uh, anywhere close to being in place by March 31, why would a football player want to be involved, or would a team even call for so-called organized team activities? It would be a big mistake for any player without the union contract being renewed, no contract in place. It would be a big mistake for any player to go and work out, get hurt, jeopardize his entire career. The only remedy he would have would be workers' compensation, which has limits, uh, very severe limits in most states. So the players know they cannot do that. The second thing is that probably soon after March 31, the owners are going to start the lockout and the players will not be invited in to do anything. They will be basically unemployed football players looking for a deal somewhere. If I told you that uh, tomorrow morning you could be named uh, lead counsel for uh, a legal team seeking to go to court to prove that uh, the NFL's only basis for their uh, labor argument right now is the fact that they would like to uh, bust the union, rip the union in half. Would you want it? I would want that, absolutely. The NFL is hell-bent on breaking this union. They are doing everything they can along that line. For some reason, owners of sports teams think they can get away with this. The, the NFL owners know that when baseball tried that, it did not work. Mm-hmm. But they still think that they're smarter, that they have greater solidarity, that they have better lawyers, and they're going to be able to do it. 
It's almost impossible to break a union in this country given the laws that govern labor in the United States. But that's what they're trying to do. They want to do the lockout. Either they break the union or they put in a whole new system more favorable to the owners. What system could be any more favorable to the owners than the one they have right now? These guys are all filthy rich. Everybody is getting rich. The owners are getting rich. This is in the category of, I think I need a bigger boat. They, mm-hmm. They're just thinking, let me see, I'm taking about $30 million a year out of my football team. I'd like to take 60 I'm, There's only one place to get it, from the players, and that's what they're trying to do. All right, my friend, uh, Johan Santana, the off-the-field uh, difficulties. Bring us up to speed. Uh, he is accused in a civil lawsuit uh, in Fort Myers, Florida, of a rape of a woman who lives in his housing complex. This is one of these typical Florida gated communities. they got gates everywhere. Nobody can get in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is called Renaissance Community. I guess they ran out of names for these developments in Florida. The best they could come up with was Renaissance <laughs> Community. So these two, Johan Santana and this woman, are talking around the tennis court. Johan is playing tennis with his father. And... One thing leads to another. They take a walk out on the golf course, down the cart path. He says she invited him into the woods. She says he grabbed her and pulled her into the woods. There was a sexual incident, and now uh, the police refused to file charges after they looked it over, and now she is suing him. And she's got a very good lawyer, a guy named John Clune. He represented... Kobe Bryant's accuser in Colorado got a very big settlement for her after the case was dismissed. And you know, Lester, that's something, that's something the average person does not know, is that Kobe Bryant's accuser, while she apparently would not have held up well on the witness stand, did pretty darn well financially, given what transpired. There's no question about it. She gave up on the prosecutor in Eagle, Colorado, this small town up in the mountains. She filed her case in Denver. John Clune, this lawyer, took care of the case for her. They did a great job. That case was settled very, very quickly. Kobe Bryant never gave a deposition, never had to answer any questions. He paid her a certain sum of money. It's all locked up in a confidentiality clause, so we'll never know how much it was. But believe me, it was a substantial sum of money. All right, uh, here we go with our favorite game. Uh, Chet makes an offer to uh, to Lester. You represent uh, uh, the female involved. I represent uh, Johan Santana. I'll call you at uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and say, all right, listen, uh, obviously my guy does not want this to uh, continue any longer. You drop the charges, we'll give you $115,000. Would you buy it? No, that's going to be a little too low. Um, this woman did not suffer any real serious injuries. She, she herself uh, admits that, no physical injuries. She's had some psychiatric problems because of this. She's getting some treatment. But hers is a case that would probably, if Santana wants to settle it, He's going to have to pay her something in six figures, probably four or five hundred thousand dollars. That would wow. settle it. Meanwhile, his salary this past year was twenty million dollars to win eleven games for the New York Mets, so he can probably afford it. Uh, by the way, as uh, a Cub fan who lives and dies with the uh, ivy over the friendly confines, how impressed were you by uh, the Forbes magazine piece, which determined that uh, on a dollar for dollar basis? 
the Cubs were the least effective team in Major League Baseball this past year, as if we didn't know. As if we didn't know. Soriano, Zambrano, Aramis, all these guys. What, what is to become of the Chicago Cubs? You always are hopeful. You're a Cub fan. You know something good is going to happen, but I'm not sure what it is right now. You know, you would think they might be embarrassed. And you would think at some point the Tribune Company might say, we really did a lousy job with that ball club. Well, right now the turmoil at the Tribune Company is so extensive that they don't have too much time to address to the Chicago Cubs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but right now if you look at Randy Michaels and Sam Zell, the Tribune Company may as well be a fraternity house. Uh, the the New York Times had a piece in the paper here this week. Unbelievable. These guys are desecrating the Tribune Tower, the Colonel's uh, pride and joy. I, I've i lived in Chicago all my life, just as you have. I've read the Tribune every day of my life. I wrote my senior thesis in college about the Chicago Tribune. I don't even recognize this anymore. And then you find out these guys are making nasty sexual jokes. Their language is foul. They dropping cigar ashes all over. I mean, it's incredible what's going on here. If Colonel McCormick came back, they would all be in serious trouble. Hey, by the way, back to the National Football League for a moment. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, 1987 when the players went out on strike and the owners went with uh, scab football players, uh, which was almost as silly as the uh, 1982 strike when uh, the NFL, led by the late Gene Upshaw, had the battle cry of, we are the game. We are the game. Hello, George Hallis is the game. Right. Art Modell is the game. You know, you're yeah. you're checkers on a checkerboard. But do you do you see inklings here of '87 where the players think, you know, we're gonna we're gonna puff our chests out because they can't live without us, and eventually around around the middle of August they'll wake up and go, uh, Darren, I have a payment due on my Lamborghini. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm not so sure the players are in are ever going to reach that point. The owners want such a serious array of changes, big, big changes. The players have worked hard to get what they have, and you only get to play in that league on average three and a half years. They've got to make some money while they're there. And I, to me, I don't think it's going to settle in August. I, th- I think it's going to go on into the season. Is the whole season in jeopardy? Maybe not. But we're going to lose a lot of football games in the 2011 what's, season. What's the real sticking point when it comes to bargaining? I mean, the, the point that just is going to, is going to drive both sides nuts. The sticking point is, let's assume they take in $100 million, the players want $60 million, and the owners want $60 million. It can't be done, and they will not split the difference. Somehow this gets to be a matter of principle with them. The owners are convinced that Paul Tagliabue gave too much to Gene Upshaw in the last deal, and they want to recapture what... Uh, they lost. They also have built these enormous stadiums. The interest rates are killing them, and so they need to restructure things, and the players are not going to go along with it. So, over under right now, Pro Football 2011. I'm going to uh, I'm going to place the OU right now on missed games at five regular season games. I think that's a very reasonable number. I think they're going to miss at least five regular season games. Maybe a couple of more, and then cooler heads will prevail, and they will make a deal. But it's going to be tough for those first few weeks without football and with the both sides accusing each other of everything they can think of. And once again, this has been Sports Corp with Lester Munson, giving you information like nobody else. Brought to you by our great friends at American Taxi, John Coins, 
American Taxi, where you always ride in comfort, you always ride in safety. I'm Chet Kopic. We'll catch you next time around. So long, everybody.